hi everyone. Hi everyone, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for coming. Can everybody hear okay? Get thumbs up on the hear okay? Sweet, sweet, thank you so much for coming. Uh, welcome to Zenful Conversations. For, for information on future guest speakers and our many Zoom offerings, please visit zenfulconversations.com. My name is Zen Jen Brown. I'm your host, and we're here today with our guest speaker, Phyllis Ginsberg. Phyllis, thank you so very much for being with us today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Awesome. I think this is an extraordinary conversation. Um, a little bit about Phyllis. Phyllis says, a happier, healthier, more abundant life is within reach. If you are having a difficult time trying to make positive changes in your life, you're not alone. Phyllis Ginsberg, MA, MFT, author of Brain Makeover and Tired and Hungry No More, which is not your ordinary guide to reclaiming your health and happiness. Phyllis is known as a survival to thrival expert. Phyllis has 30 years experience as a marriage and family therapist, expertise in positive psychology, brain research, and EFT tapping. Phyllis gives her clients an edge in making lasting, profound changes in their lives, quickly shifting their stressful thinking to achieve calm, clarity, and creativity. Her former career as a court expert for high-conflict divorce cases uh, made Phyllis no stranger to stress and overwhelm. Phyllis has applied her own survival to thrival methods to create a happy, calm and prosperous new life and business for herself. She guides clients along the path to successfully sidestep stress and burnout and create better lives and happier careers no matter what life dishes up. Phyllis understands, quite honestly, I wish I knew you a couple decades ago. <laughs> Phyllis understands how our brains work and she's here to answer our questions today. So Phyllis, thank you very much again for you being with us today. You're welcome. Information on how to connect with Phyllis directly will be shared at the end of this conversation, as well as in the follow-up email tomorrow afternoon. So um, as, as uh, we have been reading Brain Makeover in, um, we have a group of ladies that we, that we get together daily and we have been reading Brain Makeover, which is a weekly guide to a happier, healthier, and more abundant life. And um, I think it's a great book, actually. Um, can you share a little bit with us about what brought you to the writings of these books? What led you to this time and space? Yeah, so um, Brain Makeover was birthed out of my near burnout in every area of my life in 2005. So I was working 12 to 14 hours a day, seven days a week with this great career of being in private practice with a niche of high conflict divorce. Well, people might think that's really stressful, but the stress of it was I said yes to way too much work. I got to be really popular with the judges and attorneys and the last case that I did of a custody evaluation, those attorneys said, you're the one we want and we'll wait. And so they waited eight months for me. And I'm like, you got to be kidding. I, I worked with, in the, with the courts, with psychologists, PhDs. I'm just an MFT. I've got a master's. Like, but they wanted me because of the quality of my work, my fairness, my objectivity, my ability to do what I do really well. And I said, at one point, like, I lost myself. I said yes to too much. I still had two kids at home, a husband, a dog, and a cat. And it's like, there was no me left. So I took a sabbatical and I started a blog 
And on Mondays, Mondays were my favorite days because I was writing about healthy mind as I was getting my mind more healthy. And every Monday, I would write something and I did this for a year. And as you'll see, and this is a second edition, but for the most part, the first edition and the second aren't too much different in the content. Things were short, a couple paragraphs, a page, maybe two pages at most, because that's about all I had the capacity for. And that's what I prefer reading. Let's get something that's practical so that you can actually make some positive changes and not have to read like pages and pages to try to remember and absorb something. So that's where oh, I- Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, I too, I, I, I used to be a realtor, a very high stress job, but my body, uh, my body spoke back to me and that's how my change started to happen. Um, I didn't catch it prior to, but um, something I realized is that because I was very good too and people would wait for me too. And um, something I realized though is that whatever I choose to do, I'm going to do it good. It's going to be done to that, to that offering that's from my heart. So uh, choose wisely for sure, because, you know, there's a lot of different things and whatever we do will be that same quality and people will still seek that out. Um, just wanted to throw that out there, but awesome. Um, well, I'm glad, I'm glad you wrote the book. It's, it's yeah. a beautiful offering. It's a beautiful offering. I did not read this, the other book, the first book, um, but this one is, is a very beautiful offering. Uh, page five. Page five says it only takes 18 seconds to change your brain. Can you tell us more on that? Yes. Yeah, so when I was uh, like, I took time off during what I call my sabbatical. Uh, I still continued to go to to fulfill my continuing education requirements in case I wanted to go back and do court work. I needed to have additional training. And at one of these trainings, they brought in a brain researcher who shared a whole lot of information about brain research. And I got super excited. Some of the information is directly quoted from that training in this book. Uh, and the 18 seconds is what's necessary to begin to build long-term memory. When we do something different than we've ever done before, we actually are building new neural pathways. There's new, like you're laying the foundation for the brain to begin. It's like speaking in a second language or learning how to play an instrument. You have no comprehension of what that looks like. Well, so your brain needs to, to get some instruction and store it. And so the 18 seconds is all it takes. And then you need some repetition to go with it to solidify it. Otherwise it's it gets- unbelievable though. Yeah, it it's gets unbelievable. Thrown. That's all it takes. Uh, it just blows my mind, actually, all the amazing and wonderful tools we have to live a better life. And they're not really that challenging. What the challenging part is seems to be the consistency with things. It's just, it's, it's very fascinating. Absolutely no doubt about it. But 18 seconds, I thought was very wild that it only yes. takes 18 seconds. And And the piece that's really important is that while you're doing something or imagining. See, the brain doesn't know whether you actually did something in, like physically did something or just imagined it. And there's great power in using your imagination for 18 seconds to see yourself doing something successful. 
to see yourself living a balanced life or an abundant life or a productive life, whatever it might be. Because you, you actually, if you look at how the brain functions best, it's in images, not just thoughts. That was, um, I, I had that on here that there's, there was two of them. The brain simply believes what you tell it most, mm -hmm. whatever you tell it most of the time, it's going to believe it. And it doesn't know the difference if you actually did something or just thought about it and, and did it that way, uh, which is like what football players do, right? They, they imagine themselves winning the game and all of that. So it's right. athletes, athletes been doing that kind of sports training, uh, in addition to physically doing something, it's the mental, it is, I think a lot of life is a mental game. It is, it is seeing yourself. So that's, that's not even anything that's evident on the outside. A lot of times when we think that, well, we're not physically, we're not, there's no proof that I'm changing, but it takes a lot to change these thoughts. So if we could just continue to work energetically on it. That's um... the other piece and why I think it, brain makeover is really effective is that if you do anything for seven days straight or you do something for 20 minutes a day over time, you will see changes and it doesn't have to take that long. It's just, it's amazing. Yeah, consistency, repetition, uh, keeping keeping it so doable, like you can't get it wrong, you can't fail. You know, can you read? Can you read two pages in a week? Who can't do that? Even if you've got a debilitating illness, I have so many women, especially I work with, that have gone through cancer treatment and all kinds of like horrendous things I'm going through taking them through the whole court process uh, for being raped like working with victims true victims of horrendous things and they can manage to get in a page or two in a week and apply the teachings wow that's putting things into perspective too. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah, we can have so many excuses why we can't do something, but as soon as we are ready, and I think that being ready to make some changes is a big piece of this. Otherwise, if you're in fear of what's going to happen and who am I going to become and what are people going to think, uh, then you're living for some outer experience that you just don't even know how amazing it can be when you connect to yourself and you're more aligned with you you're more uh respectful of yourself yeah it makes a huge difference but we don't know how good it can be until we get there thought-provoking for sure let me ask, does anybody have any questions that they'd like to ask? Any questions yet? Not quite yet. Alrighty. Um, page 17, choices, choices, choices. Let's hear a little bit about that, please. Do you have a specific question about choices? Well, just what do you mean by it? What does it mean? Wanna, I would like the, the, the ladies here and the listeners to, to understand a little bit about how to accomplish this, how to, to make it happen, how to, to begin the process, how to have it really work for us. Yeah, so when you think you don't have a choice, I'm going to invite you to think about that we have a choice about anything and everything, including whether we want to get out of bed and do whatever we think we have to do. And that might be go to 
go to work, get up and take care of our pets or our kids or whatever. We have a choice. We may not like the consequence of not going to work because we won't get paid or we might get fired or the consequence of if I don't do the laundry, I'm not going to have clean clothes. <laughs> right. So there's there's a choice. And part of this weekly reading about choice has to do with finding the right things for you, because we have been brought up, told what to do. This is part of the like, child rearing, right? Parents have to tell us what to do. So we learn, but there's no magic that happens when we turn like into teenagers or 18 that says, okay, now it's time for you to make choices that are right for you. By the time that we get old enough to be on our own, it's already embedded. The brain is already programmed for us to do what we were taught. It's on autopilot. It's automatic. We don't think, most of us, until we get to probably a certain age, where we say, I have lived my life for everybody else, and it's time for me to make some choices for myself that are right for me. Like, I'm a morning person. I'm not going to be doing a bunch of stuff at night. I'm not going to wait during my most productive time uh, doing a bunch of chores that are meaningless. And maybe I'll put those, you know, the dishes. It's really hard to leave them overnight because I like to wake up to a clean kitchen. I have a choice. I can decide, like, do I want to do that or not? Mm -hmm. um you know that brings up there there is a book that we also have discussed was um written and offered to us by Bronnie Ware which is an Australian nurse who um accompanied the dying and she wrote a book of the top five regrets and according to her studies and her books uh a lot of people don't think about these choices until they're there and saying, oh, my gosh, I didn't even. The number one, the top regret, I don't have the book in here. The top regret is um, I wish I would lived a life true to myself, though, instead of a life that doing things other people expected me to do. Right. Just, it blows my mind. And um, the second one was I wish I didn't work so much. Uh, but there's allowing myself to express my emotions, allowing myself to be happy. These are top five regrets. So it's um, it's really a, a big deal to stop and evaluate our lives. And the beautiful thing is the way the brain works, we can change it and make our life better. So is this always true? Do, do you think always true that we could change that our, you can improve your life no matter what the circumstances are i believe so and another example would be that when we take care of others when we feel like we should we have to we're obligated it's our it's like if we don't do it we're going to feel guilty and if we do do it, we might feel resentful. So you have to balance guilt and resentment. And at a certain point, we aren't designed to be overworked, high stress, overwhelmed, anxious, depressed. Like we weren't designed to live a life like that, I don't believe. But if we don't take care of ourselves enough, we don't have enough balance we are no good to anyone we then become someone who needs taking care of true absolutely true anybody have any questions go ahead kim hi i had a question about the tapping and how that comes comes into 
Is that like learning new behaviors? Because I know about tapping, but I'm just wondering how you use that to create, I guess, is it to forget, you know, certain things or is it to make new things happen? I, yes, great question. And if if anybody isn't familiar with tapping, what Kim is asking is about uh, the emotional freedom technique or what's called tapping, EFT tapping, tapping on meridian points like this that actually releases stored emotions. We store our emotions in our tissue. I use tapping to release and we could do tapping here i'm i'm game for that that's my most it's like my magic weapon it is my superpower to be able to do tapping release stored emotions introduce possibility thinking this is where i think i don't know anybody else who does tapping quite the same way i do but when i introduce statements of possibility i am now helping you rewire your brain because we're doing more than 18 seconds of this to now be on the lookout for possibilities it's kind of like okay what what in the universe out of the infinite possibilities that could happen might be there for me and then we can rewire your brain with statements that are specific to you that you're ready to hear because an affirmation, you can say affirmations till you're blue in the face. If you don't believe it, it's just going to create more stress for you. But when you are aligned and you're ready for it, then we want to anchor in those like, yes, I can. I am ready. Hmm. So, so it doesn't okay. yeah, you can use it for the bad, like to get rid of maybe something that has happened and to create new like pathways, like you're saying. Yeah exactly for anything anything <laughs> wow how long does it take to like i know you're saying 18 seconds you do but like i'm assuming you go a number of times i can in usually like 10 or 15 minutes or less sometimes shift something uh certainly when i work with clients like in sessions for an hour, we can do a ton of stuff. But uh, in my community where I work with people one-on-one -on -one in a group setting, mm -hmm. it, they get like 10, 15 minutes with me and everybody gets a shift to feeling calmer. Uh, could be that they have more clarity, they feel more grounded. So when you're doing that tapping and using the phrases that I give you, then it calms the fight or flight response, the amygdala in the brain, so that you're not running stress hormones. You might actually be running some feel good. Like the body produces feel good hormones and um, it just changes the whole body chemistry. Is it based on concentration? Like you're concentrating on the tapping? No. Nope. You okay. don't, and I love the tapping because it bypasses the brain. We're really okay. not engaged. We're not engaging the mind, which is the active brain. The brain is just a storehouse of information. It's like a file cabinet. Okay. So the actual tapping and the things that you're saying, because like you're saying, you can say affirmations till you're blue in the face, but that's kind of like what you're saying, but you're adding the tapping. Mm -hmm. so how does that work or it just does i think the the biggest part is that it calms the amygdala and you feel safer and you're able to take in you're able to release things you're able to acknowledge them and then you're able to rewire your brain my girlfriend That's fascinating. Um, yes i see sally you raised your hand yeah um i thought my girlfriend um, just lost her dog. I just got off the phone from her. And she's had a lot of, uh, a whole lot of stress. Unbelievable. And she's working more than she's ever worked before. And she's always, this is what she always wanted. And her sister went out 
on drugs and left her with not her, you know, with her sister's kids. I mean, it just goes on and on. And now she lost her dog. And uh, what would you do for her? You know, just the loss you got dog part. Yeah. So when I work with people who are in grief and pet loss is one of the worst, mm -hmm. uh, I know that one really well. Um, it's tremendously hard on people. And so I would not try to get her to not feel the grief, but actually acknowledge and make space for it. To give herself permission to be where she needs to be with it. Because we are, again, conditioned in our society to not feel, to numb out, to persevere, to like get over it. So your dog died. Okay, great. You know, like bury it, do something. You still got to show up, right? Very people, very few people have compassion for those who are in grief, whether it's a human or a pet and giving yourself the gift of time and the, the gift of expressing that and doing it with tapping. Where would you go? What's that? I, I said, what would you, where would you go for that? Like to, to get that? Yeah. I mean, what kind of tapping would you do? Well, the, when someone's in that place where it's like if you're traumatized, mm -hmm. you, you don't know how to get yourself out of it. Mm -hmm. And so it's really challenging to do that kind of work on yourself. But if you are feeling stressed or anxious and it's everyday stuff, you're, in, you're overwhelmed, you've got too much to do. Maybe you have a job interview or you taking an exam or doing something like that, then tapping is great to do on your own to just calm things down, reduce the stress. Mm -hmm. But the, the big stuff, like getting through major, yeah. major, major stuff like grief or yeah. trauma, uh, I would say it's not that easy to do on yourself because no, I mean, what, what would you do for her? Give space to start with, right? Give it honor. Yeah. Does anybody want to see what tapping? Like yeah, yeah I think like? it would be great. Okay. Sure. okay. All right. I want to make sure everybody was was game. Okay. So take like two fingers and you're going to tap lightly starting where your eyebrow starts on either side of your face. Okay. Looking good. Okay, so this is the first point. I'm gonna just show you the points and then I'll give you phrases. And then side of the eye. Okay, and then under the eye. I don't know if your glasses are a problem, but if you can't see, keep them on. If you can, whatever. All right, next is under the nose and it might feel a little funny if you've never done this before. Has anybody ever done this before? Huh? A little bit with you, a little bit with you, Jen. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> okay. And then we're in the chin crease. Next is collarbone. And I just take all five fingers and, you know, you can tap on one side or in the middle or both. You can't really get it wrong. And then under your arm, which is about where your bra strap would be, about four inches under the armpit. And next is top of head like a monkey. And then take a, a deep breath. And notice how you feel. Anybody feel a little calmer? You may or may not. You may or may not feel energy doesn't matter. You don't need to be concentrating. You don't need to make anything happen. Your body reacts. Calmness. What's that, Jen? I sense calmness. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like so is it just one eyebrow or two, both, both sides or just one side? 
it you just need to do one side there's some people that'll use two hands and do both and that's not necessary but one i gotta i gotta, rem I gotta remember all the spots okay so we're gonna do it with statements i'm gonna have you repeat after me and can i get everybody except one person to mute because otherwise we're going to hear everybody and that's probably going to be off a little bit so everybody except one person yeah and it's okay jen if you want to be the right, everybody's muted except me then <laughs> okay all right so i'm just gonna lead you through tapping and i don't know what i'm gonna say it just depends on what comes through um so we'll start with acknowledging and we're going to pretend that we are her friend, like Sally's friend. My dog just died. And you'll say that while you tap on the eyebrow. My dog just died. Side of the eye. That dog was so special to me. That dog was so special to me. Under the eye. I don't know how I'm going to deal with this loss. I don't know how I'm going to deal with this loss. Under the nose. It's so painful. So painful. Chin. It's so deep. So deep. Collarbone. I don't think I could push all this feeling down. I don't think I can push all this feeling down. Underarm. So I'm just going to be with it. I'm just going to be with it. And I'm going to make space for it. And I'm going to make space for it. And now you can take a big deep breath. And now I'll invite uh, any comments. Well, uh, it, it's uh, I have I I I have a dog that is um, time is short. I was just at the vet today, and he has a heart. Uh, he he has a heart disease. His heart's been enlarged, and what happens in that case is the heart gets bigger. The valves don't. So I found out today that his valve is ripped, it's torn. So now there's a lot of leakage going on. And um, interesting that this is part of the conversation tonight. And that whole experience was amazing because this just happened to me today. And that's what he said. Uh, basically, it, it can, he can, they can live years like that. Um, or it can rip up completely. And then that's just lights out like that so um i appreciate that practice very much so uh, i'll keep it in my back pocket actually too uh because i did sense a calming you know uh, uh the, the holding space for ourselves the holding space for ourselves so important so this eft tapping that's is that meridian points is that um Energy, it's, similar, it's part of energy psychology, similar to acupuncture, where they would put needles in you. And that is passive. While this is active, you're, when you get acupuncture, you're not rewiring your brain, you're just freeing energy in your body. So this is rewiring your brain. And pretty much all that I, what I did is I introduced, uh, acknowledging what the situation was and then the suggestion of giving yourself the space because it was so big it's too much to to contain and that's all that uh, those are the suggestions like the brain got right and right. maybe so this is learning how to communicate with our own selves mm -hmm. but you have to remember like i've been doing this for you know 
couple of decades and I work intuitively and, and I, I know that I have a gift in being able to tune into what people need. So this is what I would call high level. Uh, don't think that you're going to come up with these great statements to say to yourself. You might, but, you know, it took me a lot of years to get there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maria, did you have a question? Thank you so much, Sally. I did. I was just going to ask when you, you mentioned um, being ready, how, how do you know when you're ready? Because uh, I'm I'm at that stage right now in my life where I'm trying to figure out, you know, my kids are grown, we've moved, you know, what's the next step for me? What's what's my, you know, purpose or what's what's next for me? And how do you know when you're ready? And you know, you said open to the suggestions and possibilities and right, great. I have no idea. Great question. I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> it is. It's a great question. Yeah. So you are right where you, it's an important time in a woman's life when you're an empty nester, when that whole transition, you know, the menopause thing is either over or almost in, over. In. I'm or in it. You're in it. Okay. <laughs> and during that time, it's like a rebirth there is a wealth of wisdom and if you tap into the creativity we we actually at birth christine christine i think she calls it uses her name a different little different uh northrop writes about this and uh, women's health women's bodies something like that uh, but she was the one that I learned and read about this information on what women go through in their like second phase of life. And you are right there. So we either are propelled to do something different because of our life circumstances, like the kids move out, you move, um, you change jobs, whatever. You end up in burnout. Um, right like you're either forced or by choice you choose something now what that next thing's going to be is an exploration or maybe it's a knowing it could be a past passion that he's like oh now i have time and i have always wanted to do this and then you know what that is what if you don't <laughs> What well, I think the what if you don't is where a lot of women are because we were conditioned to take care of others. We were not taught to go within and to discover ourselves and what we want. Does that feel true? Yeah, I, I guess I'm just still trying to. How do you like you talk about bring bring it out or or become aware of be ready or become aware of what what am I good at what am what what are I don't have specific things passions that I know I I like I I do have some creativity maybe I need to mm -hmm. go along that line those lines um, bring some of that out I, you know I don't know I don't well think about your interests and what you're good at. <laughs> and we all have things that we excel at and we might think oh anybody could do that mm -hmm. but no not anybody can do what you can do in the way you do it see and that's what i've got to figure out is what it is that i'm good at or what it is i that i is unique to me that i'm you know, don't I mean, what, worry yeah don't worry about what's unique to you it will uh, the unique part isn't as important as what would bring you joy and satisfaction to do next. And when I say next, it's like, okay, maybe it's the next three months, six months, you try something, it will evolve into whatever the next 
thing is. Don't think like you have to have your whole life figured out today. Mm. We are in a, a time where you can have multiple interests and passions and careers and jobs. Yeah. Thank you. And I, so, I'm going to yeah. add one more thing is you will probably know when you're ready because you're asking the questions. So that leads me to believe you're ready. You don't know what it's going to be and that's okay. But acknowledge to yourself, I, I am ready to know what's next and then invite it in. Thank you. Yeah. You said, you said something quite, I think, key there, uh, exploring. We've never have given ourselves even the opportunity or known it was even something formidable <laughs> to explore our own selves. And um, this is something that I notice you have been doing over the past, um, what is it, a year now? Mm -hmm. uh exploring and 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 um so many changes have happened in your life that you know also too because there's like there's she moved and a bunch of other stuff so sometimes i think it doesn't it take a bit to settle let the dust settle a little bit you're building a house and all kinds mm -hmm. all kinds going on right now so maybe let the dust settle a little bit uh you are in process from my point of view of this unfolding and, and and it'll it'll pop up in your face i think it'll come um <laughs> yep. well i don't know it did for me yeah there's no the forcing right yet. okay yeah so that that was um we we drive ourselves crazy trying to figure it all out figure it all out figure it all out which is stopping the mm -hmm. the flow of <laughs> here it is here i am where is it where is it where is it <laughs> uh, -huh. uh what was it amy eliza wong said to feel it out not figure it out she she did one of our guest speakers was on the feeling how it makes you feel because now isn't isn't happiness um a choice uh, a decision to be happy too yeah yes because we can feel things in the moment it's like if something happens we have a choice about how we feel which is another way of saying we have a choice how we react to something and there's the place where you can say okay the dog died and i feel really sad that's an appropriate thing you might not say the dog died and i feel happy right but you can be and i've experienced this with clients you can be in poor health dealing with cancer and still be happy okay that is a choice the reason why week one is what's your happiest moment of the day is because when we are stressed and distraught and overwhelmed and anxious and in fear, we can't think straight. We can't make wise decisions for ourselves. And so choosing to be happy or choosing to remain calm and consciously aware uh choosing to live a life that you get to decide what's right for you can't come when you're stressed when you're like way up here in stress and overwhelm you're not going to hear the whispers the intuition that comes through that guidance or you would wouldn't even see the opportunities that are there Thank you so much, Maria. Anything else on that? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you so much. Sally, I don't think I said thank you. Do you have it? Did you have anything else you wanted to add to that, Sally? 
just um uh, you know if you learn the the uh, step steps of stepping points um you you can use that on yourself for little things yeah actually in brain makeover there is uh a section on tapping it has to do with uh, navigating emotions. Oh, yes, that was. What do you do? Oh, navigate? Emotions. Yeah, do you have the page? Page 79. 79. Week 20. Navigating the world of emotions. Yes. So there's a, a reading on that. And then there's how to do tapping on your own. Yeah, I'll just there's, show the book here for a moment. It has a little, a little paragraph of, of reading. And then it has EFT tapping at the bottom. Mm -hmm. And it actually shows the diary. It has a, a picture of where, where all the tapping points are. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't know how much. Thank there, you. There's I, a couple pages actually on this. Right. There's, um, there's a sample of. You can actually use this anchoring in tapping uh, that gives you statements that you just fill in the blanks on some of them to personalize them more. And then there's uh, there's some possibility tapping statements, and uh, and really you can't get it wrong if you do the tapping points and just say to yourself either what you're thinking or what you're feeling. And that will calm things down enough for you to be able to get some clarity or tap into some solutions or calm things down enough so that you feel like you're more grounded or centered and can think straight. Yeah, because sometimes I don't know what I am feeling or mm -hmm. thinking. And um, it'll be good practice. You know, I mean, all the things you said to my girlfriend, you know, when you were talking about the dog, um, were things I knew to say, but I I didn't have those to say to her when I talked to her, um, you know, but I've been through enough grief, and especially with animals, mm -hmm. that, you know, I thought those were beautiful statements, but um, so it would help me to um, say my own emotions about something else, not about. Correct. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, there's also to um, Phyllis has other safe ways to honor your and express your emotions. Um, besides talking to a trusted friend or a mental health professional about how you feel, but journaling your thoughts, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and writing the letter. She could write a letter to the dog. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then when other humans are involved, you can write letters, but don't send them. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you might refine it and send it, but that first letter is for you. It is not for them. And if you have a situation that's really got you feeling angry or frustrated and you just want to vent and you want to punish them or get revenge or have a lot of judgment or criticism or how dare you or any of that like that's totally okay but it's for you you don't send one of those no because then they get triggered and it's it's a yeah. it's, it's a mess then after that um as far as this other ways to express your emotions there's also express your emotions through art paint drawing maybe even your friend could paint a picture of her uh, a painting of her dog um it brings me back to um 
Lisa Frechette was expressing your emotions. She had uh, children pass away mm -hmm. and she was, she used art to do that for there. So there's really quite a good, that's a, a very nice section on the navigating the world of emotions um, and the quality of our emotions determines the quality of our life. So it's very, very important, very important. Sally, thanks so very much. Um, any other questions from anybody at the moment? All righty. Uh, go ahead, Kim. Sure. Jump on. Sorry. I just had a question. So the EFT, is that something you have to be trained in? And can you do it on somebody else? Can you perform it on somebody else? Is that what you do? Okay, so you, you don't necessarily have to be trained in it. It's something that you can do on your own. It's, it's good to have like, I call in your first aid kit, your toolbox. Mm -hmm. uh, you can do it on somebody else. But normally they would do it on themselves unless they couldn't. Okay. Right. So when I work with people just like here, you're doing your own tapping on you. I don't touch other people to do it. Okay. Uh, yeah. Is that what okay. you were asking? Yep. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Oh, right. Um, just uh, two, two more little sections from the book there. Perfectly imperfect. Tell us about that section, please. So how many of us were brought up to be perfect? <laughs> Most of us. It's like in the DNA. And to realize and accept that we are unique. We are individuals. And other people have these high expectations that are they're not sustainable to live up to over time. And we can really get down on ourselves, be hard on ourselves, create more stress and tension for ourselves. We can even take so much time trying to make something perfect that by the time we get done with it, it either cost us sleep, cost us money, because we could have been doing something else. Um, it's like when I was doing custody evaluations, it took me so long to edit and review and make sure that all the dictation I did, the spelling was correct, the grammar, the punctuation. Uh, by the time I finished, like I earned great money, but maybe... <laughs> On an hourly rate, it could have been five or ten dollars an hour. I would have been better off seeing individual clients. So the other piece to perfectionism is that you might find that you have these thoughts, there's no way I can do that perfectly, so I'm not even gonna try. It will, it'll stop you from doing things. Mm-hmm. Even fun, even fun things like, oh, I don't know how to, I don't know, play tennis or golf or bowling, pick a, any kind of like sport. If you've never done it, of course, there's going to be a learning curve. But those of us who don't like to feel incompetent will not pursue anything new. It is. It's kind of crazy. The first time we do something, we want it to be mm -hmm. perfect. And it's like, what? Well, that's insane thinking. You've never done it before. How can no, it be I... perfect your first time out? But we want it like that for sure. Uh, yeah, that's why uh, I kind of been practicing that. And there's loads of mistakes in my stuff. But um, the, the school I went to uh, for my yoga teacher training taught me to just, just start it. You can always come back and tweak it, just start it. Because if they, they, there's a, they have a seven and a half uh, acre beautiful lands and all this stuff. And if they would have waited, 
for their vision to be complete before allowing students to come. I, along with hundreds of other uh, yoga instructors, would not have received that absolutely beautiful gift. And it still isn't where they, and, and this is six years later, you know, uh, or seven years later now. And, um, you know, we, we, we could be dead if we don't, you know, before some of these things get unleashed, if we don't just, just do it. It's that whole comparison thing too. And judgment, there's a thing with that because I do know people are judging me on this. Quite frankly, I know I can do a better job than what it looks like too, you know? So there's, there's a lot to work with there, but that's one of the beautiful things I think about aging or allowing ourselves to come to this time that you were talking about with Maria about having a second um, exploring yourself, just letting yourself do it. Don't worry about the mistakes so much, but thanks for putting that in there because that is huge. Yeah. And if you can adopt good enough is better than perfect. Because then you're going to get something done. Yeah. Yeah. Last one. How do you define yourself? Do you want to go over that one? Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. So how you define yourself has to do with how you view yourself, your self-image. If you were brought up and and raised where you were told you were shy, you were introverted, all those adjectives, descriptive words that would say, I'm not outgoing and I don't do well with people or crowds or in groups, any of that. That's one of those things that will hold you back, whether it's true or not. And when I've worked, especially with women who say, I'm just shy, I do better one-on-one -on -one than groups. Okay, yeah, I will say one-on-one -on -one is a lot easier than in groups for most people. That's not new. But the piece of, let's look at this shyness. You go out, you, you do things, uh, you're not holding yourself back. How about when you were shy, shy, labeled shy, as a kid, you were just scared or you were standing around, sitting around, discerning what was going on. You were taking in the environment and because you didn't respond enthusiastic enough for an adult, you were labeled as shy. All right. So how we define ourselves, makes a big difference how we approach other people, how we approach our day. If you say, I'm not a morning person, well, you might not be, but if you go to bed early enough, you, you might adopt uh, a routine in the morning that's more enjoyable than hitting the alarm clock and the snooze button multiple times and dragging yourself out of bed uh, and eventually getting yourself going. So it really comes down to what we tell ourselves. Mm -hmm. Really what we're telling ourselves over and over and over again. We're going to believe it no matter what it is. Right. And not to question, to not question how you got this way is is then leading you to continue to function the way you've always done that. So it might be interesting to say, hmm, I wonder how this got instilled in me. And you might already know how that all got set up or what event happened that led you on this path to be who you are today. And you can say, I don't want to be that person anymore. I'm going to choose this, whatever that might be. It might be to be happier or healthier or more abundant or actually let some positive emotion in or, 
or some love out or right like this reciprocal being able to be part of life instead of just standing on the sidelines yeah and you know at first uh i do a great deal of talking with to my to myself now i will actually say all right well what are you feeling i actually have have okay just what is going on here allowing myself to talk to myself and at first i thought it was very strange um but the truth is we're talking to ourselves all the time when we get out of the shower and catch ourselves in a mirror and say vulgar crap you know there's we're talking to ourselves all the time so give yourself permission to actually break it apart a little bit separate a little bit and say okay well what what am I feeling here? Or why is this? You, you can talk to yourself because you do it. You're doing it anyway. But to allow yourself to not think it's strange if that's going on with anybody else's mind. Because I felt at first like, we can't be talking to yourself like that, you know? <laughs> but you I can always... myself, you know, get out of the shower and I'll say, I'll say it like that. It's totally like it's almost somebody different. Well, look at you, you know, what or whatever, you know. Uh, yeah. So it, it's it's important, not just okay. It's important, I think, to to like I said, to be your own friend again. Right. And if you really want to have a conversation with yourself, you could do it on paper. You could be an aspect of yourself. You could write a question. You can answer it. Right, so you can do this dialogue on paper. Uh, and often I'll ask myself like, okay, am I ready for whatever's next? Am I, like when I got John Gray's endorsement for this book, I prior to that, I, I asked myself, am I ready for this? And I got a big no, because I had all this fear, like what might happen if, I become so famous and this is when like a lot of people there the tabloids was just ripping people through <laughs> to shreds and I'm like I don't want to have anything to do with that I don't want to be known uh, what if I get asked to speak speak too often and I end up in saying yes to too much and end up in burnout again like I had like 10 things that could go wrong yeah I spent like I don't know 45 minutes doing tapping on them got them all down to where they, on a scale of one to 10, they were a zero or a one. And a week later I got his endorsement uh, because I was aligned with it. I wasn't in fear anymore. Even though those fears might've been totally irrational. I mean, some were and some weren't, but we all carry that kind of energy that doesn't allow for the flow of the good things to come to us. Mm. or what that we want to come to us that makes sense that makes sense that makes sense anybody have any questions all right go ahead kim thank you uh when did you know or when did you discover that you were good at this as far as being tuned into what people need when i took some time off from being in burnout, uh, 2005, I had this heightened awareness of intuition because I spent time in the garden. I was sitting in dirt, just piddling around. Like my brain was, was pretty much at capacity. It took six months to get clients and families out of my head. Mm. So I needed like downtime. I did jigsaw puzzles. I did mindless things. I cooked. I went for walks. I hung out with friends. Like, and as I got quieter and became less stressed because I wasn't stressed out really about anything. I didn't have the capacity to, uh, shortly after, I mean, maybe it was, close to a year after maybe somewhere in there uh i started just feeling that intuition and guidance really strongly mm. and then i applied it to the tapping i'm like wow i was in awe i amazed myself at the results people were getting 
it was incredible. That's awesome. Thank you. You're That's welcome. a great question, Kim. I love that. I love that. I love that. All righty. Um, Phyllis, um, what a true delight. It was a very incredible conversation. I knew it would be an incredible conversation. Extraordinary. I absolutely knew that. Are there any final thoughts that you want to leave everybody with before we share your contact info? I know I have it somewhere in the book. Uh, this is something from brain research because the brain does believe what you tell it most and it will seek it out. Uh, if you want something different, you must do something different on purpose. Otherwise, you're going to get more of the same. And that's because we function on autopilot. So we need to interrupt a pattern. And it's patterns of thinking, patterns of feeling, or patterns of doing. Any of those. You can interrupt, do something else, and you will make some significant changes. And it doesn't have to take a long time. Fantastic. There you have it. There you have it. Her Phyllis's website is phyllisginsburg.com. That's Phyllis with two L's, ginsburg.com. You'll find a free guide to cope with stress and overwhelm on there. Um, you can also find her uh, Facebook at facebook.com forward slash phyllis-ginsburg. Phyllis uh, Let me say that one again. Facebook.com forward slash phyllis.ginsburg. We will send out all this information and more and more in the follow-up email tomorrow, along with the link for the replay. Phyllis, in gratitude, so very much gratitude. We really appreciate everything you shared and your loving energy with us tonight. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And please visit zenfulconversations.com. Sign up for more of these wonderful conversations with these beautiful guest speakers where you get to ask the questions. Everyone, thank you so very much for coming. Thank you for bringing your questions. Thank you for supporting these Zooms. And um, in gratitude, in gratitude, everyone. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Bye. Dan. Thanks, everybody.